0: Uh, There was an investment banker who wanted to hire um, an independent counsel for some advice. And so she asked this young attorney, she says, young man, how do you feel about honesty? Young man was like, honesty? Let me tell you about honesty. My daddy gave me $85,000 for my education, and I paid him back every single cent once I graduated and did my first case. She was like, okay, what was your first case about? She was like, my dad sued me for the money. Yeah. There was a judge who was sentencing criminal defendants when he saw a vaguely familiar face. He saw the face, he was looking at the record, and he noticed that this dude was a career criminal, but there was a five-year period where there was nothing on the record. And so the judge recognized the dude. He said, Milton, how was it that you stayed out of trouble for this five-year period? He was like, well, I was in prison. He said, but you ought to know that because you're the one that sent me there. And the judge was like, wait a minute, that's impossible. I wasn't even a judge five years ago. He's like, no, you wasn't my judge. You was my attorney. (laughs) Yeah, I got three words for you as we start off our time together that I want you to take a look at. Freedom, equality, justice. Freedom, equality, justice. Justice. Ladies and gentlemen, when you look at those terms this morning, uh, how important are these terms to the fabric of us as a nation, as a nation? And as you think about that, you're probably like, freedom, justice, equality? Well, I mean, it's everything to our country. I mean, our country was basically founded on freedom. The reason why we have a country is because people came over here way in the early 1600s to practice uh, uh, freedom to be able to worship the way they wanted to worship. Okay? I get that. Okay? So think about freedom, equality, justice. What does that mean to us as individuals, as men, as women, as boys, as girls? What does that mean to us as individuals? C.S. Lewis, the great theologian, once said that every human being has an innate sense and a natural longing for justice. Every human being has an innate sense and a natural longing for justice. In fact, of course, our country was founded on this idea of justice and equality for all people. I think y'all heard of this. Uh, we, heard the, we, we hold these truths to be self-evident that uh, some men, is that what it said? That a few good men, is that what it said? No. That what? All men are created equal. That they are endowed by the Creator with certain and any rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, of course, that's the Declaration of Independence. Well, when we talk about justice, for those of you, if this is your first time. If this is your first time in a long time. This is week two of our brand new series called Justice. And I think the question, the third question that I want to talk about in my introduction, that we need to wrestle with this morning, is uh, how important are these terms—freedom, equality, justice—to those of us who consider ourselves Christians? And moreover, what does Jesus have to say about justice? You guys do understand that the Bible has a whole lot to say about justice. The Bible has a whole lot to say uh, and that we know that God is in favor of justice and that he is against injustice, right? In fact, uh, Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 20, he says that the Lord detests differing weights and dishonest scales do not please him. The Lord detests differing weights and dishonest scales do not. Do not please him. Just so you guys understand that in the Bible days, it wasn't like how it is today. You know, when we go to buy stuff, there's a price tag, right? And whatever the price says, we reach in our pocket, we pay that price. Well, in the Bible days, they didn't have that. So merchants had scales. And basically, um, if you had a good that you wanted to buy, you put your goods on the scale, and then you take your wages and you put that on the other side of the scale, and the merchant would set the scale to Uh, properly measure out whatever your good was, the money that you were paying for it should weigh equally. Does that make sense? But what some of these merchants would do was they would would jack up and mess with the scale so that people were actually paying more for goods that didn't quite cost as much. And God said, I can't stand that stuff. That's what those differing wages and scales meant. In fact, the Bible says, everybody, that in the prophet Isaiah, who lived a long time ago, was struggling under this weight of injustice. In Isaiah 59, he says, justice is driven back, and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found. And whoever actually shuns evil, they actually become a prey. The Lord looked and was what? Displeased that there was no Justice. And why was the Lord displeased? Well, because God's heartbeat for us as creation in Isaiah chapter 1 is for us to learn to do right. There it is. To seek justice, to defend the oppressed and take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. That's God's heart. That's Jesus' heart. Towards justice. In fact, Jesus said in a rebuke of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, in fact, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, everybody, you know, they represent, you know, the religious folk, you know, the church folk, you know. Not y'all, but y'all know some church folk like that, you understand, right? Jesus snaps on these guys and he was like, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! That's actually in the Bible. Yeah. He says, You give a tenth of your spices. That's fine. You tithe. That's great. You're supposed to do that. Mint, dill, and cumin. But what you've done is you've neglected the more important matters of the law, which is. And. He says this. I love this. Watch this. He says, You shouldn't practice the latter. That's fine. We want you to tithe. That's good. But don't neglect the former, right? Somebody say justice. Everybody, our God, our Jesus is all about it. So naturally, everybody, some of us sitting here, myself included, you probably want to know, well, what do you do when Jesus is all about justice, but it seems like everywhere I'm at, I find myself surrounded by injustice? What do we do when God's about justice, but I'm constantly surrounded by injustice? I'm surrounded by racism in my community in my country, I'm surrounded by sexism on my job, even at my church, even though they don't necessarily see it as sexism. I'm surrounded by child and domestic abuse. Why is it that the people who are supposed to love me, protect me, and provide for me end up being the very ones who take advantage of me and hurt me? Pastor Ray, that's unjust, that's not fair. I'm surrounded by systemic poverty. Why is it that in my neighborhood, there are a whole bunch of broken down, dilapidated, and abandoned buildings and houses? My property value is low. I live right in the middle of a food desert. The schools aren't what they need to be. And literally not even a mile away, property values are higher, resources are better. And and, and it seems like as hard as I try, as hard as I work to try to better my situation and move my family into where there is better and more productive schools, I can't seem to get qualified financially to move into that space. It's almost as if they don't want me there. They get awful quiet. Just talking about what I'm talking about. Yeah. W- w- what does it look like? If our God and our Jesus is all about justice, then why is it that if Jesus is all about justice, I find myself surrounded by injustice what do you do with that well you know what the world teaches you how to do somebody do something to you you do something right back to them you talk about my mama i'm gonna talk about your mama what you say about my mama your mama ain't doing one of no socks i saw when she took them off she threw them in the bed killed the roaches that were already dead that's your mama baby you understand that's what the world teaches us right You take from me, I'm going to take from you. You put your hands on me, I'm going to put my hands on you in Jesus' name. You understand? You cut me off in traffic? And that's why y'all praying for your associate pastor, because y'all know I got that highway demon that needs to be casted out of me in Jesus' name. Y'all just keep praying for me. I promise I'm going to get saved one day. Just keep praying. Keep praying. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, it's, it's amazing. But Jesus says, listen, I don't want you to retaliate against people who are unjust to you. I don't want you as my followers to do things the way the world tells you how to do them. Here's what I want you to do. When people are unjust, when people do things against you to hurt you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and you shall hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Watch this. And that was two people. And pray, pray, yeah, for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, you got injustice going on all around you? you got drama and mayhem and mess that's happening to you and against you, before you do anything, before you grab that picket sign, before you organize a support group, the first thing I need you to do is call on me and pray. Because here's the truth, everybody. Prayer should be our first response and not our last resort. I wonder if I got some people need to rearrange those priorities. Yeah. Should be our first response. Here it is, everybody, because how many of us recognize that there is a powerful thing that happens when we simply dare to pray? P-R-A-Y. I love that for my note takers. Basically, when we're asking God and when we're praying, here's what we're asking him to do. We're asking Jesus to produce results apart from you. That's what we need him to do. We need him to step in and do what we don't have the capacity to do, what we don't have the capability to do. When we pray, everybody, what we're saying is, Jesus, uh, bottom line, I don't have the capacity to love. I don't have the ability to pray for. I don't have the capacity to be kind for my enemies and those who treat me unjustly. But here's another truth, everybody. When we don't operate in that space, and when we do react and respond the way they respond to us, uh, when we return anger for anger and wrong for wrong, we put ourselves, everybody, on the same level as our enemy. Am I right about it? And so, everybody, I want to give you three quick tips of how we can pray for our enemies and believe Jesus for our justice on our behalf when we pray. Number one, one, when we pray for our enemies, everybody, we can ask that our hearts will remain soft and useful if the Lord wants to use us to accomplish his plan in the lives of our enemies. Are you seeing that? When we pray for our enemies, we can ask that our hearts will remain soft and useful if the Lord wants to use us to accomplish his plan in the lives of our enemies. Remember what we just read in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44? He says, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and who and what? Pray. Somebody say pray. pray. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Everybody, there's a lady who goes to our church. She goes to our church. I can't remember what service that she was in, but I greeted her. Joshua's like maybe two months ago. I was greeting this lady, and uh, she says, Pastor Ray, uh, can you pray? Um, and she goes on to tell me a story about her son and her cousin was gunned down by this other young man. Her son was killed, tragically. Her nephew is in critical condition. Critical condition, and she was like, Pastor Ray, I need you to pray. But here's the deal, everybody that's not what got her emotional. Now, I got emotional because you know it don't take much for your associate pastor to get emotional. (laughs) You understand? And as a father, as as an uncle to a nephew, you understand? I, I, I empathize with this lady. But she says, Pastor Ray, yes, my heart is broken that my son is gone and he's no longer with me. Yes. I'm hurt because my nephew is fighting for his life in critical condition at the hospital. But here's what I know. Those boys knew Jesus. And so I know that my son is in heaven right now. Yeah. If Whatever happens to my nephew, he's going to be fine. But this young man who shot my boys, if he died tonight, I know that he would not go to heaven and spend eternity with Jesus. And Pastor Ray, I don't want him to go to hell. Pastor Ray, would you please pray? O-M-G. And I'm going to tell you, because I can talk to y'all. Y'all know it don't get no realer than your associate pastor. In that moment, I was like, honey, why don't you grab the mic? Come on down and teach the lesson. Let me stay up here in the balcony and figure out if I'm still a Christian or not. I'm telling y'all, it was the most profound, the realest, the most mature conversation I have had since I've been here at Central Christian Church. But everybody, how many times have we seen it? How many times have we seen or heard about these stories of people who've had horrendous things happen to them, either directly or indirectly to somebody that they love, and instead of them retaliating, they decide to Pray. pray. For them. And when they dare to pray, when they dare to believe Jesus to produce the results apart from them, how it changes the entire dynamic of not only their enemy situation, not only those who are unjust to them, but also of the person who is actually being wronged. Because when we pray, everybody, we're saying, Jesus, I can't do this. I'm incapable of producing the desired result I want to need for myself. I need you, Jesus, to produce this result apart. For me, and if you see fit, Jesus, would you please use me in the process of you changing a heart, a mind, and a life? Is this making sense to anybody this morning? Yeah, so that's number one. But number two, everybody, watch this. Uh, uh, uh we can pray for our enemies when we pray for them. We can pray that God would open the eyes of their heart that they would be enlightened. We can pray that Jesus would open up the eyes of their heart that they would. Would be enlightened. You remember that song? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Come on, sing with me. Sing. I want to see you. That sounded good. Y'all should get together every week and do that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Everybody, but here is why that's important. Why would we pray that God would open up the eyes Their heart, and this is for somebody you came to church this weekend because you needed to hear this point. I'm about to drop right now. Are you ready? Because everybody, when enemies set themselves against us, do you understand that it's not about you? Do, Do you understand that it's them? They lack understanding. You get this? They are reacting in the flesh instead of responding from the Spirit. If you need to write this down, write this down. When your enemies set themselves against you, it's their issue. They lack understanding. They are reacting in the flesh instead of responding from the Spirit. And this is why it's important that you grab a hold of this because, see, somehow you've begun to believe a lie, that somehow the injustice that you've been receiving what you've been getting, the, the, the mistreatment that you've been inflicted upon, for somehow you've been made to believe that that's your fault, that you did something to warrant that, that you brought that on yourself. And that couldn't be further from the truth. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I need you to get this. Somebody needs to even, even start saying it to yourself. You ready? It's super deep. You ready? It's super deep. Here it is. It's not personal. It's not personal. When they called you that name, talked, you, talked bad about you, tried to degrade you, it's not personal. Yeah. When they turned their back on you, when they closed the door on you from opportunities, it's not personal. In fact, somebody in, in the room, you just need to start ministering to yourself. You know what? It's not personal. It's not personal. It's not personal. It's not personal. What they did is not personal. How they made me feel it's not personal. All right? There's something underneath that. In fact, everybody, I'm, I, let me say it like this. See, I wish Pastor George and my wife would just run up here and just just echo what I'm talking about right now. These people that are clinically trained that know what I'm talking about right now. Let me say it like this. When you have, a, when you have an issue with people, the majority of the issue with people is way more about them than it is about you. People who got a problem with you because of your skin color, where you're from, how God has wired you, how your mind works, ideas and thoughts that you share with them that aren't in alignment with theirs, and just because you're different in some capacity, they want to try to hurt you or disrespect you or cause you to fail. Guess what? That's not your issue. That's not about them. It's not personal. Yeah, there's something underneath that. Are y'all seeing this? It's something underneath that that's causing them to react, causing that person to do what they're doing to you. Raise your hand if you're a movie person. I just love my 1030 crowd. I love it. Okay. Now, raise your hand if you've seen the movie 42 with Chadwick Boseman. Okay. That's like half of y'all. Okay. Homework assignment for 1030. Netflix. Hulu. What else we got, baby? Prime. Thank you. HBO Max, Peacock, you know, all, Paramount, thank you, thank you. Yeah, 42 for your homework this week. And come back next week with a full record for your, for your associate pastor, okay? It's a great movie. Chadwick Boseman plays Jackie Robinson. Chadwick, of course, is the guy that was Black Panther in the Marvel comics. He passed away recently. But in, in, in this story, Branch Rickey, was who, played by Harrison Ford, by the way, um, some of the ladies just needed me to pray right there. Okay. But Harrison Ford is Branch Rickey. Uh, Chadwick Bozeman is Jackie Robinson. And they're having this conversation. Uh, Mr. Ricky's bringing Jackie in and said, Jackie, now you're going to be the first black player in Major League history, but I don't want you to retaliate against all of the people that are going to be inflicting punishment against you. Now, here's what you need to know. He could have that conversation with Jackie Robinson because Jackie and Mr. Ricky, the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers were Christians. And so, he was having this conversation with Jackie and basically helping him understand that, look, as Christian men, we got to be above this ignorance. We got to be above this nonsense. We have to illustrate for people how gentlemen respond when things are happening unjust against them. Are y'all seeing this? And Jackie had to lean hard, ladies and gentlemen, on his faith Because of the immense persecution that he suffered, I'm talking about, everybody, public and humiliating name-calling. And I think y'all know exactly the name or names I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm talking about death threats to himself, his wife, his family. I'm talking about unfair treatment when they traveled And trying to find lodging and trying to find places to eat, right? I'm talking about opposing players purposely trying to hurt and maim the man on the field. There was a scene in the movie where an opposing pitcher took a baseball, boom, and hit Jackie right upside the head with it. Now, it was intentional, and today it could really be deemed as uh, use of a deadly weapon, really. Because of how hard a baseball is, how fast these guys can throw, and... Couple the fact that in those days, batters did not have protective helmets to protect themselves against the baseball. And so the ball hits Jackie in the head. He falls. His head is busted open. His wife is in the stands horrified at the scene. Well, then the scene picks up later where Jackie and Rachel Robinson are on the bus and they're headed home. Rachel is weeping. And Jackie's arms. Jackie has this huge bandage on the side of his head. And here's what Rachel says as the scene opened up. She says, if they knew you, they'd be ashamed. And it was almost as if she she was saying, if they really knew what they were doing, and if they really knew who they were doing it to, they'd be ashamed. But they lacked understanding. right? And everybody, I just need you to understand there is some level of disconnect between you and the person that is committing the evil and injustice against you that really ain't got nothing to do with you. And I got to take a quick commercial break from the message. If I can take a quick commercial break from the message to say something, this is very, very important, everybody. Listen, if you're here and you're in a situation where you're being abused, are y'all hearing me? Uh, I'm talking child abuse. I'm talking spousal abuse. And your life is in danger. And if you hear, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Hear me clearly. I am, and we are, as a church and as your leadership, not advocating for you to remain in a situation where your life is at stake. We're telling you to pray for your enemy, but listen, you ain't got to live and sleep with your enemy. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? You can pray for people from a distance. Yeah. Yeah. God's not calling you to walk in child and domestic abuse for the sake of the gospel. You pray, but you remove yourself from that situation ASAP, because that ain't your fault either. I don't care what they told you. I don't care what reason they're giving you for why it happened again and again. That's their issue. They need to get help for it, and they need to get right with the Lord about it, and not at the expense of your health and your safety. Are y'all hearing me, ladies and gentlemen? Now, let's get back to the message. Yeah, there's something underneath. There's a level of disconnection between you and the person who is committing that evil and injustice against you that really ain't got nothing to do with you. And everybody, this is hard. Can I tell you how hard this is for me to preach? As a black man in America talking about injustice, I can go some places with this message. But I need you to understand this is hard, right? This is hard. Uh, because it feels real personal, even though it's not. It feels personal to be called out of your name. It feels personal to be purposely excluded from economic opportunities. It feels personal to understand that there's a different set of rules in our country for different groups of people, but you're still expected to accomplish and produce the same results. to, 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 To understand that there have been atrocities and injustices that have been inflicted against men and women and children simply because of the color of their skin. That feels deeply personal. But everybody, I think if we can grab this truth that it's not personal, that really it's, the, the real issue is ignorance and lack of understanding, if we could really wrap our arms around that, I think it would help us to love our enemy. It would help us to pray for those who hurt us or who have hurt us. It would help us to pray for those who treat us unjustly. Instead of feeling like we got to retaliate. Instead of feeling like we got to get justice for ourselves. Listen, it's not personal. And everybody, let me say it like this. Understanding this point really helps me relate to Jesus and the gospel. You want to talk about unjust? Everybody, think about being beaten all day and getting whipped all night. Seven nails driven through your hand and a spike driven through your feet for a crime that you didn't commit and for a sin you didn't participate in. Listen, that should have been you and I's punishment. But as he hung there, body wrecked with pain, literally this body destroyed on the cross, he didn't call down curses upon them like he easily could have. What did Jesus do? He prayed. You want to see what he did? Here's his prayer. He said, Father... Mm -mm -mm. But they don't even know what they're doing. Everybody, can you see it? Jesus didn't take it personal. He recognized what they need even more than they did. And everybody, what would it look like if we, just like Jesus did? What would it look like if we got to the point that we recognize it's not personal, that people many times, they just lack understanding? Would it help us pray for those who have been unjust to us? who have treated us wrongly, especially when we can remember that once upon a time, we too lacked compassion. Once upon a time, we too lacked understanding. Once upon a time, we too lacked empathy. Everybody, here's the last thing. As we pray for our enemies, we can pray for their repentance. We can pray for their repentance. Some of y'all that have been treated unfairly, you like, why in the world would I want to do that? Pastor Ray, I want them jokers to, I get it. I get it. But everybody, the reason why we want to pray for their repentance as our enemies is because we recognize that we once upon a time, too, were Jesus' enemy. And what did Jesus do? He prayed for and he died for us. Look at Romans chapter 5. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ Jesus to die for us while we were still... Sinners. Look at verse 10. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his... Are y'all seeing it? Look at this. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. I want to give you another verse that I actually kind of forgot was in my notes, but this is big. Second Peter 3, you still got it? The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. This is so important for somebody who feel like, I've been waiting a long time for justice, Ray. I've been waiting a long time for that joker to get theirs. Where's God at? Why won't he show up? Can I tell you, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. Why? Because he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. That's 2 Peter chapter 3. And I had to share that with you because everybody, I can't speak for you, but I'm so glad that God was being patient with me, that he didn't destroy me while I was his enemy, while I purposely decided to live for myself instead of living for him. Because the truth is, ladies and gentlemen, all of us deserve God's justice. And that's life apart from eternity with him but thank God for Jesus. Here's a story I'm sharing with you in closing. Um, There is, uh, this dude was being tried for a case that he was guilty of, and the prosecutor was coming after him, Josh. This is why he needs to burn, judge. This is why he's guilty. He's guilty. He's guilty. Prosecution rests. The defense attorney steps up, and he's like, judge, may I approach the bench? The defense attorney takes his book of evidence, lays it before the judge the judge takes a look at the evidence takes his gavel and is like case dismissed ladies and gentlemen can i let you know that that person that was on trial was you and me and every single infraction we're actually guilty of the prosecutor is our enemy satan Who wants to rub it in our face and make sure that God knows this is where she fell short. This is where she blew it. This is where he turned his back on you. This is why he deserves to spend eternity apart from you. They're guilty. They're guilty. They're guilty. He's guilty. But then Jesus says, Judge, may I approach? I got some evidence. I need you to see. And Jesus lays the book before the righteous judge. And everybody, In that book is everything that we've done, we are doing, and we will do. But see, the judge can't see our sin because it's covered by the blood of Jesus. And when the judge sees the blood on our stuff, he says, case dismissed. Here's the thing I need us to understand, everybody. It's not that we're not guilty. We did it. It's that we had an advocate that stepped in between God's justice and what we actually deserved to give us an opportunity to spend eternity with Him. And if we really understand that, that we actually deserve God's justice, but God gives us a pass because of we trusting what Jesus did, does that put us in position to pray for those? who have been unjust to us because we recognize that we, have to, we too ourselves have been unjust. Here's a picture I wanna show you in closing. Now, these two men, they couldn't be polar opposites of each other. One's black, one's white. One comes from money, one comes from a broken family. One graduated from Harvard. The other one, did he graduate college? I'm totally joking, I'm totally joking. Don't get mad, don't get mad, don't get mad. No, one's Republican, one's Democrat. The world teaches us they should be enemies. But everybody, what happens when we can sit down together and pray? If we can do this together, it's not much longer than we can do this together. We got big problems in our country, everybody. We got situations that are flat out wrong and they're just flat out unjust. And the temptation for us is out of sheer emotion to jump in and act and do something, and retaliate, and get involved. And everybody, there is a place for us as Christians to get involved in culture. There is a place for us to get involved and be a part of the solution of bringing our people together versus being a part of the problem of being passive, right? But here's what I'm saying. The first thing we do is not grab our picket sign, not to protest, not to promote a cause or a group, not to provoke an opposing opinion to anger. The first thing we need to do is that we need to call on the name of Jesus and pray. And when we do that, the Bible says if we trust in him with all of our heart, and not lean on our own understanding, but in all of our ways we acknowledge him, the Bible says he will direct our path. He'll tell us what to do, when to do it, where to do it, how to do it, why to do it. And when he gets involved, guess what? He can produce a result apart from us that's so much bigger and so much better and so much more unifying than anything we can accomplish in our own. Guys, we cannot forget to pray. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.